Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 76. Today, I'm excited to dive into a very fraught, shall we say, question that brought up a lot of feelings when it comes to women in positions of power, how we can see ourselves as leaders, even when we're not getting that kind of validation from the people around us, and what happens when women hold other women back at work. It's not my favorite topic to talk about because I don't like to bring attention to what I think is a dying trend in the world of women supporting women at work, but it's real. So today we're going to talk about it and I'm excited to dive into today's episode. But first, want to make sure that you know you are cordially invited to join me at Bossed Up Bootcamp to start off the new year with a bang coming up on January 26th and 27th. We'll be back in the city that started it all, Washington, D.C., for our very first Boss Up Boot Camp of 2019. You've heard me talk about this program a lot because it really is the best thing I do. So if you are ready for a fresh start to kick off the new year with a clear plan for where you're taking your career and life next, don't miss the chance to join me at Bossed Up Bootcamp in D.C. on January 26 and 27. I'll drop a link to the registration page with all the details in today's episode. And as a reminder, we do have scholarships and easy three-month installment plans available to anybody who needs them. So give yourself the gift of starting the new year off on the right foot like a boss with me at Bossed Up Bootcamp. And now it's time to dive into this really meaty episode Inspired by this listener-submitted career conundrum. Hi, Emily. My name is Nikki. I'm 23, and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I wanted to talk about what to do in a situation where you feel like you're not being recognized for the leadership that you might have and that you feel like you have in the workspace. So I've been a gymnastics coach for about six years, and I keep having this issue where new staff members keep coming in, and there's no kind of role identification within our work. And they keep coming in, and instead of learning from me, they kind of take over the situation and want to do it themselves without consulting me on a lot of different things. And a lot of times I feel like my expertise or my experience is being taken for granted. So I guess my question is, what advice do you have for people like me or women like me in this field who feel like they want to take back their leadership? in a situation where it's other females coming into the same job. What's your advice on how to talk to them or anybody about the situation without causing conflict, especially when it's with other coworkers who are women that you want to also hold to a high standard and empower and teach at the same time, but without them taking over your spot as a head coach or in any position? 
Nikki, this is such a real meaty question. There are so many facets I want to unpack today and knew that we had to do it in a really deliberate, research-driven way. That's why I'm so excited to be joined by Allison Gabriel, an associate professor of management and organizations and a Robbins Fellow at the Eller College of Management at the University of Arizona. Her research focuses on how employee emotions, motivation, interpersonal relationships, and stressors influence employee well-being on a day-to-day basis. You can see why I might adore her research and her area of focus because it is so aligned with what I like to talk about here at Bossed Up. Her work has been covered in popular press outlets from the Boston Globe to the Chicago Tribune to Entrepreneur Magazine and Forbes. Her 2018 work on incivility amongst women at work has been covered by the Harvard Business Review, featured on Sirius Radio, in the Wall Street Journal, and on CBS's show, The Talk. Dr. Allison Gabriel, welcome to the Boss Up Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This will be fun to talk about. Yeah. So Nikki's got a question with so many facets to it today. There's so much to unpack. But first, I want to acknowledge what she's really talking about here, which is sometimes a little confusing in the research. I've often come across this term, a leadership identity, which is something that we women in particular have to build in the face of a world that doesn't always want us to see ourselves as the boss of our own careers and lives. Mm -hmm. But it's this sense of authority and autonomy and the ability to be a leader in your own career, in your own life, in your own workplace. Mm -hmm. What have you found either in your work, your research, your studies on all of this in terms of civility in the workplace and how that can help or hinder your ability to really be seen as an authority figure? Yeah, for sure. So I think what we need to recognize, and I think people are talking about this way more, is that we have different expectations for men and women at work, right? So if you just think about traditional gender norms and kind of general expectations, what it is to be a man, what it is to be a woman, we often view men as being really assertive and dominant. So we value those personality traits and behaviors when we see them coming from men. But then for women, we often expect them to be very communal and nurturing and warm. Right. And what I think is interesting, right, is that those expectations kind of fly in the face of how we view leaders, right? We view leaders as having power, as asserting power, as obtaining status in an organization. And so I think for women, they get a little bit stuck in this catch-22 of, I want to be a leader. Being a leader is going to require me potentially to, I don't like the word violate, but just kind of deviate from these uh, expectations we maybe have societally. And so we, you know, in our research, we've kind of studied, well, what happens to women in organizations when they make those deviations, right? When they say, yeah, "Yeah, I am somebody who speaks up in a meeting. I'm somebody who assigns things to people. And our work on incivility recently over the last couple of years has really tried to unpack that a little bit. Yeah. This is also something I write a lot about in my forthcoming book, which is how to handle that inverse correlation between likability when you conform to gender stereotypes of being nurturing and kind and sweet and small d democratic versus leadership, right? Right. The qualities deemed essential for leadership that you pointed out is such a catch-22 for women leaders. Right. And what I've found is that there's this iterative process. And I always come back to this because it's easier said than done. But what Nikki's calling in about is an opportunity to iterate her sense of being a leader. And what happens is 
let's say you make a leadership move. Like you say, here's what I think we should do. I've been around here longest. I've been in this role before you newcomers were here. I'm proposing this idea forward. Then your colleagues can either reinforce your leadership identity or reject it. Right. And it sounds like she's coming into the situation where what the hell do I do in the face of, I don't want to call it insubordination because who knows exactly what the power dynamics are, but you know, it's a rejection of her leadership move. So what the hell does she do to claim that leadership and manage not just her perception that the other colleagues are getting from her, but also the perception she has of herself as her leadership feels like it's slipping away. Right. Well, and it was interesting, right? Towards the end of the question, she said, you know, my other kind of female or or women coming in, you know, that this is where the risk is. And so I think some of this and and what we did in our research is we didn't originate this. Leah Shepard, I love shouting out to other female academics. Yeah. You're awesome. Leah Shepard had this idea of like, well, maybe what happens amongst women is there's a little bit of this competitive threat, right? So if we as women think about who you compare yourself most often, Often to, we often right. compare ourselves to somebody who looks like us. And who's that going to be? Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be my female colleague up the hall, right? I'm probably going to make that comparison before right. I go ahead and think about my male colleague up the hall, even though we may be similar in terms of, you know, yeah. me, maybe I'm more similar to one of my male colleagues in terms of research, but I probably turn and look to a female colleague and say, well, how am I sort of standing up against that? Yeah. And so I think because of that, when you have somebody who is asserting themselves, that can feel a little threatening, right? You know, women, historically, we haven't occupied enough leadership positions. We're not enough boards or there's very poor representation on boards. And so when we see another woman speaking up in an organization, we may view that as a threat, like, okay, this person is trying to take space. And if she takes the space and there's no more space for anybody else. So it's just like zero, like some game, if she wins, I lose. And so I think um, what we're trying to, and I'm working with several female colleagues, um, Sarah Doyle and Claudia and I and Jessica Methot, we literally just had this conversation two weeks ago of goodness, do we have to reverse this formula? Do we have to figure out ways that we can help women realize like, yeah, we need to bring other people up and not view somebody else being dominant as a threat against the group. Rather, we should be doing the opposite of like, oh, this woman is awesome and she's doing it and she's asserting herself and we need to get behind this person because if she does well, that actually creates a better chance that we can all do well. And I think that's the narrative we're trying to figure out Unfortunately, our research didn't sell that narrative. We found the opposite. So now I feel like I have all this like researcher guilt of like, oh, that finding was super depressing that we found a few years ago. How do we fix it now? Right. Because I, 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 I believe, yeah. I truly, truly believe that women want to help other women out at work. But obviously we find cases um, like the one from your caller where that is not what's happening. So how do we create yeah. structures that are more conducive to letting the positivity happen? I think that's such a great point. Sometimes we forget that that inverse correlation between leadership and likability that women face is equally likely to emerge amongst women judging other women as it is amongst men judging other women. I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't remember the exact research that showed this, but I found that in very male dominated homogenous workspaces like her industry, which is in mm-hmm. athletics departments, right. it's even worse, right? right? When women are more scarce, that bias against women, even from other women, is so high because, like you said, they think there's this unconscious perception that there's only one spot at the table. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's what we need to try to figure out how to reframe, right? Like, it should be less yeah. of, oh, there's less room at the table because this one person's there, and it should be like, sure. oh, thank goodness there's this one person there because this person now yeah. can maybe advocate. And so I think what we've found is a lot of research kind of showing 
these problems of representation. And like I said, where we're trying to come in and other researchers in this area are trying to come in is saying, okay, we know there's a representation problem. So how do we take the representation problem and make it more beneficial for women if that's possible? So I'm almost tempted to give advice to Nikki here that is about leveraging that data Mm -hmm. and taking her colleagues aside, having coffee with them and saying, listen, I don't know if you realize this, but yeah. those cards are stacked against all of us here. So why don't we band together Yeah, and just making the direct ask for support, figuring out what their goals and motivations are and trying to team up to support one another, even if it is kind of transactional, Yeah, which I think some of my listeners bristle at and I am all about because yeah. my background's in politics. But right, it's like, right. how do you play your politics right, right. in a dynamic that's stacked against women. You know what I mean? No, for sure. So some of the findings that I keep kind of indirectly talking about, right, we found that women were more likely to be uncivil to other women at work, which is a finding that just made me cringe with my colleagues, you know, Marcus Butts and Sanjay Yuan and Rebecca Rosen and Mike Slider. We like replicated this finding three times, mostly because I was like, if we're going to say this, like I need to know that we this better is be something. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we better be right because I am now associated, if you Google like my name and incivility, there are some like really egregious headlines, like research proves that like women are to other women and you're like you're just like oh my Bad god news. Like, no, no, it's no, still no. News. like that's not no. you know what I mean <laughs> that's not what we mean that's not what we want to talk about but I think it's coming from this idea of like oh this is my competition and this person is standing yeah. out whereas men don't seem to be as sensitive to that right because they're like no like I have my place this is fine yeah what we're kind of saying is and that's actually the recommendations we make is like let's stop and talk about this like let us yeah. actually stop and say hey I don't know if you mean to do this but like some of the interactions we're having they seem kind of discourteous and and they're uncomfortable like where is that coming from like is there a place that we can move forward to support each other through this rather than each of us feeling like we have to compete because I don't think we have to compete and I think the more we have those conversations around civility which is like it's not political correctness by the way sometimes I talk about this people are like oh you're just talking about being politically correct no like I'm talking about just being supportive and compassionate and kind and you can disagree and you can still do all of those things so I think the more that we can do that and encourage that the better it's going to be for women you know in organizations in the long run for sure (laughs) I also think there's an important distinction to be made between civility and likability right because we don't need all of our colleagues to love us and want to hang out and want to be besties no but direct sabotage right an attack against your own leadership when you especially are in a position of authority that's derived from the hierarchy right yeah i always go back to this idea in terms of power and building consensus and organizing to create power and change mm-hmm. you know a title alone doesn't give you power no, or leverage it doesn't you have to manifest that by yeah. leveraging relationships and building consensus and sometimes the lowest person on the totem pole can wield the largest amount of influence and power. Yeah. But if you're the boss and you're, you've been put in a position of leadership and mm-hmm. you feel like your leadership is being directly attacked, you got to handle that head on right. like a manager right. and focus it not on likability, but 
on common goals. Yeah, for right? sure. No, I think that's the biggest kind of misconception people have about leadership, right? Is they'll say, well, I was bestowed this title, right? I have this legitimate authority right. because people know the hierarchy. They know they're supposed to report to me. And the hierarchy is kind of meaningless, to be perfectly honest. You know, that's not yeah. how people leverage their power to make change or to get people on board, right? It's more of these relational, personal forms of power that people can draw on, right? This, you know, expert power, like, hey, I know what I'm talking about. And here's why I have all this background. I have this experience. Let me tell you about how this has happened before. Or these personal forms of power, like, hey, we have these connections. And, you know, here's what I think yeah. I can do to support you. I would love for you to support me. I, I think sometimes, and I myself have even been guilty of this in my own time, right? As I've held various titles and been like, oh, okay, now people will respect me because I am professor, blah, blah, blah. Like this is my formal title. Yes. And then eventually it was like, oh no, nobody cares. Like they want to, you know, <laughs> like they, they care only to a point, like they want to understand, yeah. well, who are you as a person? How are you positioning yourself? You know, the, the title does not yeah. tell somebody whether they can trust you or not. That's going to develop and build over time. The more you assert yourself yeah. and explain, you know, well, this is my position and this is why I think it's good or bad or indifferent. So hmm. And those moments of assertiveness can look very different. It right. can be as simple as the way you communicate when leading a meeting right. versus the way you have assertive conversations after the meeting one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one to say, this is not okay. This is directly right. preventing us from moving forward on our shared goals. Yeah. We have to find a better way forward because this is not going to work. Right. You know? Yeah. And I find a lot of women approach those conversations as you know, my feelings were hurt in this way. How are you feeling about it? And let's yeah. talk about being friendlier when in reality, it's this is not acceptable behavior. Right. Right. <laughs> we have to stake our claim, own what we deserve in terms of respect. And I've also found that lining up your generals, right, like getting buy in from the higher ups, making sure that you're playing your politics right by getting the most important and influential people mm -hmm on your side of things can also really help yeah. when playing politics amongst your team as right, well. Right. And like I said, I think sometimes, cause what we, you know, when we define what instability is in organizations, we call it this like ambiguous, uh, low intensity behavior. And it's ambiguous in the sense that the intent to harm is not quite clear. So this isn't like over harassment, right? Where it's very clear, like, okay, you are harassing right. me. These are likely the reasons you're telling me this. It's more, you know, these kind of condescending comments being addressed unprofessionally like publicly yeah. or private. And so, and, and what we find, and this has been something, you know, we, we talk about a lot and I've talked to people about a lot is I truly believe that sometimes people don't realize how their behaviors or their interactions are coming across. Yeah. And so I think rather yeah. than saying, Hey, you know, what you did was hurtful and it's been, you know, I want us to be friendly. Yeah. I think it might even be taking a step back and saying like, Hey, I noticed in the meeting, you kind of made this comment. It kind of took me off guard. Can you explain a little bit of where that came from? And sometimes like I've had these conversations, right? I feel like I need to, you know, walk the walk here. So like I've had instances in the last couple of yeah. years where I've been like, Oh, that felt bad. And I've just talked to the person and half the time they're like, okay, like, here's what was going on. Here's why this was happening. And then the other half, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even realize that yeah. that would have come across that way. Like that was totally not what I meant. It was this manifestation. And we can then come to this place where you're like, yeah, we don't need to be best friends, but we can at least now more genuinely respect each other and understand it. And I think framing it that way of like, hey, let's like, yeah, you're right. Like we don't need to be friends with everybody. I tell like my PhD students yeah. all the time, like you don't need to be friends with everybody. You just need to be respectful of everybody. And civil. I think that's a great 
way to frame it and look at it. I'm reminded of how steep a learning curve civility can be sometimes, yeah. especially for those outspoken ones and yeah. extroverted ones amongst us, myself yeah. included. Back in seventh grade, when I was really establishing my leadership identity, I was in a Girl Scout troop. Yeah. And I had just learned this fun phrase that I was very into, which was take a chill pill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember... <laughs> My mother having a conversation <laughs> mm-hmm. with me that went like this. Your Girl Scout troop leader does not appreciate it when you tell her to just take a chill right, pill, right, Emily. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, is that terribly rude? Yeah. I didn't realize it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there are times of total ignorance, hopefully not as many as in seventh grade. Right, right. But in the workplace, when you really don't know how you're coming across or what's triggering someone else's response. But yeah. it's fascinating to me that you found research that shows women are more likely to be incivil towards other women. Right. And particularly women who identified as being more agentic. So they were saying like, yeah, I exhibit traits that are, I'm assertive, I'm dominant, I'm outspoken. So it was literally that pool of women that these effects were more pronounced for. And I think that like therein lies the seed, right? Of, you know, women in general say like, yeah, I experienced more incivility from other women than from men, but it was just especially amplified for that one group of people. For me, I just find it fascinating because it's like this catch 22 of we are taught that these are the like right like we have leadership training programs we have leadership yeah. camps we have leadership workshops and what are we taught I do we're that taught stuff. to be yeah. assertive and dominant yeah. and to speak out and so then what you have is this pool of women saying like yeah I'm speaking out and I am then perceiving that women are being ruder to me at work for doing the very very things that probably put me here so wait just to clarify yeah the women who are sort of adopting more traditionally male characteristics of leadership being mm-hmm. more assertive more outspoken whatever. Mm-hmm are the ones experiencing more Mm -hmm. rudeness from their fellow women? Yes. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And so we found that. So one of our studies was just like, let's just see, are women experiencing more incivility from other women or from men? And we found, well, it was was women. And so then we said, well, let's keep unpacking why that might be happening. And that ties back into that competitive threat idea, right? So if I see a woman speaking out, then I'm going to be like, oh, that there's my competition. She's deviating from the group. Like she's trying to stand out. And so maybe that might go ahead and create situations where you're going to be exposed to more of this incivility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of research I found on interruptions Mm -hmm. at work. I have many unpopular opinions, (laughs) as research will lead you to have on occasion. Yes. But I did an episode on my last show, Stuff Mom Never Told You, about the misnomer of manterruptions. Mm -hmm. Because we know the term manterruptions or manterrupter Mm -hmm. as to sort of associate with this idea that men are constantly interrupting women. But the research... That's cited in all of that media frenzy that came out. Right. If you actually read the studies, it shows that women get interrupted more than men, for sure. Right. But women are more likely to be interrupted by other women than by men. Yeah, so we're, we're very much in that sphere. And I was just like, why are we calling this man interrupting? Yeah. This is a total misnomer. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. But your research almost reminds me of this sort of passive aggression mm-hmm. that I see exhibited as a more comfortable and conflict-averse version of communication when assertive communication is not so available to women, right? right. We don't raise women to be so tolerant of conflict and comfortable being assertive. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like my theory is that results in more passive aggression. Right. 
whether it's incivility or interrupting or or what have you. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, because this is just not right. Like women are not taught from a young age that you should argue or like carry on, right? We're taught to be like kind and considerate and quiet. And then I think when you get into organizations, yeah, I think these things leak out. And and that's kind of how I describe incivility. Other people have kind of made it analogous to like a common cold spreading, right? So you can, you can show (laughs) that like this rudeness is contagious. We found it, other colleagues have found it. And so I think that's what starts to happen is like these little acts just start to leak out. And that's why I think having these conversations of like, Hey, why did this happen in the meeting? Sometimes people might not even realize that they're manifesting these things. But if you perceive it as happening, that's really all that matters here. Like I, I get into True. debates with people about like, oh, well, because we'll, we'll go around and we'll talk about this. And every time somebody will say, well, what if I'm the person that made the rude comment, but like, I didn't mean for it to be rude. That person just misperceived me. And right. the reality is like, well, but that's all that matters, right? Because that perception right. is going to craft them that person's reality. You just need to be aware of that, right? It, it doesn't yeah. matter if you meant it or not. That's how it's being perceived. <laughs> that's a good point. Because people will always go back to intent. Yes. I actually just did a recent interview about being the only woman of color at work with Maura Cheeks, a Mm -hmm. great journalist Mm -hmm. who's written a lot on it. And I was intrigued by her saying, go back to the intent behind that person's microaggression Mm -hmm. to give them benefit of the doubt. And a part of me thinks like, yeah, I get that because it provides context and how righteously indignant you might feel. But at the end of the day, having good intentions doesn't negate the consequences of incivility and work. Right. No, I completely agree. And that's why I think having these conversations of, yeah, well, why did this happen? That will give the person the opportunity to be like, oh, shoot, I didn't mean for it to happen. And like I said, right. that does, that can occur, but it can also create the conversation of like, oh, well, here was my intent. You know, maybe I don't know if people will be that right. blatant and be like, oh, yeah, like <laughs> you're a woman in power. I, <laughs> I, I am concerned right. about that. But it could at least start to get to some of the core rather than just trying to brush it under and move on because that's just going to keep undermining things and creating this really vicious cycle. Yeah. It's also a reminder to folks like Nikki that you don't have to feel like you're justified enough to bring this stuff forward. I I can almost imagine someone like Nikki saying, well, was this infraction a big a deal enough to raise? And it's like, raise it, have the conversation. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to meet the threshold of harassment by any means to warrant a conversation because if you don't, it will spread, like you're saying. And I think that's some of the issue with when we talk about incivility. <laughs> there was this article that came out a few years ago, I believe in the New York Times, that called like the time we're living in right now is like the age of rudeness, right? Yeah. And that's where it feels. And I think some of the concern is that, yeah, these things don't hit the register of overt forms right. of harassment. So therefore, like, am I being, you know, a baby? Am I being too sensitive? But it's like, right. no. And, you know, there's some estimates that organizationally incivility exposure, a study came out back in 2009, 2010, around that time. Some colleagues were reporting that incivility costs organizations about $14,000 per employee. Why? Well, because wow. those individuals are losing time ruminating. They're putting in less effort. They're kind of, you yeah. know, because if you have these comments, what are you going to do when you go back to your desk? You know, what is the, the caller yeah. going to do? Why don't sit there and keep thinking about it? So it's going to undermine your own ability to perform. Um, in our work, we found that these experiences related to things like lower job satisfaction, um, feeling yep. less vital and thriving at work, having higher intentions of wanting to quit. Um, so right. it may seem like 
you know, yeah, this is a minor offense. Am I being too sensitive? Well, in the aggregate, these things are going to start to take their toll either on you or people around you yeah. because you're not going to be able to be at your best. Your well-being is going to suffer. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think we need to stop having this guy's like, oh, it's not hitting the decibel of a red flag. Like, no, right. if it's creating situations where you're ruminating about it, like I've received emails from people who have been like, yeah, like this was literally the worst year of my life working at X company because this person was doing this to me all the time and I couldn't take it. So I had to leave. And so I think we need to stop treating these things as like minor offenses and brushing them off. Right. Like, no, like let's bring this to the forefront because it's going to take its toll one way or the other. One of the other psychological forms of self-care that I really advocate for strongly in my book mm -hmm is when you are in what I call like an identity expanding moment in your career. Like when you've mm -hmm. been put in a leadership position, perhaps for the first time, perhaps under attack in some ways yeah. from your colleagues who are yeah. not reinforcing your leadership identity, how you internalize that feedback from your colleagues is going to determine what you choose to do, how you act moving forward. So if right. you're not getting the leadership identity validation from your colleagues, you have to be proactive in getting it somewhere else because all of right. us shape our own sense of self with mirrors, with other people, right, who reflect yep. back to us a version of who we can be. And so I always say be proactive about cultivating a community of courage around yeah. you, even if it's people outside of the workplace who are going to say you were wronged in that situation, who are going to unpack it with you and say you were totally in the right yeah. for, for advocating for yourself and you've got this, you know, someone who's going to reflect back to you a more courageous yeah. version of yourself. No, for sure. I, I literally have this, I have all female PhD advisees here at uh, University of Arizona, which I swear it was just, you know, by chance, it's how <laughs> the cards were shaken. Yeah. And I love it because I've had this conversation with all of them. I'm like, yeah, you want to surround yourself with people who are bringing positivity to you. Like we live in a time where with social media and the constant connectivity, like if you want negativity, like you're going to get it. So, yeah. you know, the one Good thing point. you have control over is like who that network is and where you can get that affirmation of. Yes, the things you were doing are good and they're valued and they're important. Right. I have this conversation with them all the time. There's a really cool example of, I feel like women supporting other women. So I started coping with my stress in graduate school by running like a lot. Like I started marathon yeah. running. I went from doing wow. nothing to running marathons because I was like, I just need to clear my head. My PhD advisor, he also ran. So it was like this fun way we could like periodically go for runs and Great. talk about ideas. So I just, I love professional running. I love watching like the New York City Marathon. And yeah. um, last year, Shalane Flanagan won the New York City Marathon, which was awesome. Like a female yeah. runner uh, from the US had not won in like decades and decades and decades. And the New York Times wrote this awesome piece of about her like the day after highlighting what she did to get to that point, that pinnacle of her career. And, you know, the traditional model in like women's running is that women would kind of train alone after college and literally run themselves into the ground, like just destroy their bodies, burn themselves out because they were like, yeah, like everybody's my competition. Like I need to right. like save them off. And she did the opposite. She built a community of female runners, people who had a lot of potential. She formed a training group with basically like her immediate competition. And she was able to bring other women up into the field of professional running to have them compete and place and win. And then she won the freaking New York City Marathon. Wow. Like, and it's just this really cool illustration of like, yeah, we need to reverse this view of 
how women should obtain leadership and how they should use it and realize like, yeah, we can be, it's like, they called it the Shalane effect, right? Like we can be supportive of other women. I literally have saved that article. I've shared it with colleagues and I'm like, this is what we need to talk about. Like, this is what we need to start doing. We need to stop finding. And of course, like, you know, these findings are here. We just stop just finding that women are hurting other women or, or, you know, creating these situations because of whatever violation we think is happening. And we need to start studying more. How can we bring people up? Because I think that's powerful. And I always look to sports analogies for management yeah. lessons because they're, yeah. they're chock full of them. It's pretty for incredible. Sure. Yeah. And part of our whole philosophy here at Bossed Up is to train for your career like a marathon, not yeah. a sprint. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Shall I put it again? New York Times. Coolest article ever. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes for today's yeah. episode because this idea that you don't have to train for a marathon alone is the whole point. Yeah. Right. For you sure. You can do it with your competition. You can see your competition as your community of courage. Yeah. You can support and lift as we climb, as we always say here, too. So, yeah. What a perfect way to end, I think, today's yeah. interview. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> Allison Gabriel, thank you so much for yeah. joining me today. And I have to give one last shout out to your amazing Twitter feed, which I adore. <laughs> it's mostly just like research and animal pictures and my like random food cravings. <laughs> I do. Exactly my favorite mix of things. I'm like, oh, good. She has ducks sliding down a water slide right next to a behavioral psychology paper. This is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll definitely drop a link to your Twitter feed as well, because that's where I think folks should definitely keep up with you. Very cool. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun to talk about. And now it's time for today's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Hey, boss ladies. This is Brittany calling from Olympia, Washington, and I am calling to let you know my boss move of the week, which is more of a boss move over the last four months, but for all intents and purposes, we'll go with a week. I am the lucky recipient of three simultaneous job offers all coming together in one week, and I've never had multiple job offers on the table before. This is tremendous and wonderful and scary and all the adjectives, just all of the adjectives. And this started because I wasn't fitting in my last job and I was the victim of bullying by adults. You guys, I mean, I knew that bullying existed in high school, but for goodness sakes, I didn't think it would happen, (laughs) you know, with with, uh, grown-ass adults. So it did. And I called it out and I tried to stand up for myself and ultimately I was let go. And I spent so much time wondering what was wrong with me. Why didn't I fit in? What I could have done better? Me, 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 you know, victim blaming myself. And I had a good friend today remind me that, you know, sometimes things just suck and there's not always lessons to be learned on your part. I mean, sure, there's things I can own, but that wasn't me. I just didn't fit in. You know, jobs are like relationships. And to really put that, you know, she said, flush it down the toilet. So that brings me to this week, which is really emotional, I think, which is adding to a little bit of difficulty picking the right direction for me. But ultimately, I am fortunate and grateful and taking your advice of of sharing this story because there's a lot of us that can rise above petty bullying and you get lost in it and you think that your value is gone and that there's something wrong with you. Like you can't fit in anywhere and that I am here to yell and yell loudly that that's, that's not right. That's not the truth. 
And the truth is when you're actually true to yourself, you find the right people who will lift you and let you be your awesome self. Congratulations, boss, and thank you so much for calling this boss move in. I'm so sorry to hear about the bullying, but know that that is not okay and you are not alone. So thank you for sharing what you've been through. And more importantly, congratulations on being in this incredible position. You're not just lucky to find yourself in that position. I'm sure you worked your butt off to make it happen and you deserve it, boss. So bask in the glory of being in demand. And I hope that whatever you decide amongst the three offers you've got to choose from, that you are happy with your choice moving forward. Congratulations and keep bossing. And now it's my moment to give thanks to one of our recent iTunes reviewers. This one's from Blonde Psych, who comes in from Canada. So shout out to my Canadian listener. She wrote, I came to this podcast after hearing Emily on Sminty and have loved following along as the show has grown. I'm the only professional woman in my family. And although my friends and I have been trying to figure this all out as we go, it's been so helpful to have her tips and advice along the way. I love the open way she discusses struggles to making it and the welcoming feel for women of all ages to boss up their lives. Thank you, Blonde Psyche from Canada. That is so on point. I'm so glad to hear that you've enjoyed these tips and I hope that they've been actionable. That's what I'm always going for. And I hope that today's episode, which really took some lofty advice and broke it down into practical, actionable steps for all of us navigating this stuff at work as professional women can really help move the needle forward for your career and really for all of us along the way. So tell me what you thought about what Dr. Allison Gabriel had to say. What do you think about Nikki's career conundrum? Have you ever felt under attack by some of the women at work or some of the newcomers of any gender who seem to be directly attacking your leadership and your authority? How did you deal with it? I'd love to hear from you on social media. Just tag me at Emily Aries or at Bossed Take a screenshot of today's episode and tell me what you think. And you can always share your thoughts in the comments section at today's episode page on the Bossed Up blog at bossedup.org slash episode 76. In the meantime, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose and together we will lift as we climb. Let's face it. Speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Jahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live 
weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup. 